0: Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with uh, Eric Kaufman, a professor, distinguished author, and uh, CSPI fellow. Uh, Eric, how are you doing today? Good, Richard. It's uh, good to be back. And, uh, you know, um,
1: always, always pleased to see CSPI doing so well.
0: Yes, you know, I think you're, I think you, this might be your fourth appearance. I think you're the record holder uh, for most, most podcasts. So yeah, thanks for, you know, you're obviously a big part of that. And we're here to uh, talk about your uh, new report uh, called Diverse and Divided, a Political uh, Demography of American Elite Students. Um, And so tell us about the survey. How did it come about? Uh, You know, how did you uh, uh, collect the data? And, you know, what is, what were you trying to find out? Well, yeah, I mean, I was just sort of noticing, uh, I know some of
1: the uh, statisticians at FIRE, and they do this survey every year, and it's got a lot of undergraduates on it. It's got something like, you know, thirty to 40,000 students a year. So after a couple of years, that was sort of almost 60,000 uh, 60, surveys. And I thought, well, this is actually, this can tell us a lot, about because there's only really about four years uh, you know 18 to 21 maybe is the age range so it can tell us a lot about young people and it's a pretty unparalleled data source for that so I kind of said well let's kind of let's look at what this tells us about the u.s student population and their politics um, and so that's what sort of interested me uh, initially
0: mm-hmm and what's the you know what's the what's the main takeaway? I think before I read this report, I would have thought probably you know they're all just going to be leftist, and there's going to be a sort of uh, you know I, some of the demographic stuff is predictable, and I would have thought it just sort of different degrees of leftism. I, I would have actually been surprised if there were that many uh, majority conservative uh, universities in the country. But it was more conservative than I thought. Is that uh, is, is that is that how you reacted to the data too?
1: Well, not so much. Well, it depends
0: what way you're looking at it. I mean,
1: I guess if your stereotype was that undergraduates at the elite 15 percent, so this is mainly students in the R1, it's sort of the top 15 percent of universities. So if if your perception was they're all basically liberals, then yes, I mean, there is a sort of 22 percent, 23 percent conservative group and similar share of Republicans amongst these elite students. So yes, I guess that's one one thing. But also more than that, I guess, is the fact they're not monolithic, but more than that, they're actually more uh, divided arguably by identity than the greater U.S. electorate. Um, and that's sort of the big finding is that if this is the future elite of the country, um, we're going
0: to see big splits probably going going forward. Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, you're right. Um, but still, I mean, it's the white males. Uh, you know, the white males are liberal in the aggregate. So you will see, you know, there, there's a division where it's like 100% of, you know, the minority elite will be uh, liberal and maybe like 70%. So maybe, maybe it's, I mean, maybe it's, a. Uh, the future is a um, is a united elite because there, there are I don't think there are many demographics you know you can narrow down white Christian that you know that's true man, you know white Christian heterosexual male that's not you know tons and tons of people right that's just a and they're not you know completely conservative so is, could the lesson be also that just it's a it's going to be a united elite that's very liberal even though there's demographic differences well
1: I I think if you look at the current elite if you look at sort of the current electorate in the U S. Um, you know they are not as divided by religion, sexuality, uh, race, and gender as these students are in their politics. And so my starting point, I suppose, would be to say this elite looks like it's going to be more, not less, divided. I mean, and the reason for that is that divisions around identity I see as being stickier than divisions around socioeconomics. And if you look at financial aid, status, class, these sorts of things have almost no predictive power amongst these students in terms of their politics, Uh, whereas it's all identity. Whereas if you take the wider uh, U.S. public sample, the economic stuff matters more than it does for the students, and the identity stuff is less powerful for predicting political beliefs. So, kind of the picture that emerges here is that these divisions are probably going to be stickier and people are find it harder to compromise on uh, you know politics that's tied to identity than politics that's tied to arguably to class or or income. So I guess the prognosis from that would be there's maybe going to be less willingness to negotiate uh, and accommodate than there is currently. Now that's not so that doesn't point in a, in a rosy direction.
0: So you are um, so figure like figure fourteen for example. Uh, you have proportion Republican identifiers by subgroup: uh, white Christians all forty eight percent. Okay, so that you know that group is pretty evenly divided. All white males only thirty six percent. So this is taking. Well,
1: um, I should say that
0: that doesn't include. So there is a significant um,
1: independent group, right? So right. just because it's forty eight, if it's forty eight percent Republican for, I think it was white Christian males. Probably it's 30-something percent Democrat.
0: It's not Oh, that's the, the, the proportion yeah, of so, independence. Okay. So those
1: are solidly more right-leaning than left-leaning. Yeah. So so amongst students in elite universities, white males who identify as Christian, that's not – sorry, I should say that's have a Christian affiliation. In other words, you are not ticking the I have no religion box. That's all it is. So these are relatively nominal or at best you know, they may be mainline. This is not evangelical. This is just anyone who doesn't go for the non-religion box or other religion.
0: And how many? Uh, how many? Uh, so yes, yeah, so I have a white male Christian, fifty-five Republican, and then white Christian all, which I guess includes women, um, is uh, uh, forty-eight. Um, the uh, how many? Uh, do you rem- remember approximately how many whites identify as Christian versus something else? It's, in it's religion?
1: something like. I mean, in the entire data set, it's it's a slight preponderance Christian over over non-religious. It's something like 45, 38 or something, Uh, something like that. So there's still more Christians than non-religious in the R1 schools by a a few percentage points. Um, So pretty evenly sized groups. But what's striking is that amongst that white group that identifies as Christian as opposed to non-religious, so a pretty mild kind of identification, um, they are actually more Republican and right-leaning amongst the student body and actually when we compare to the public the general american population you know white white males white male christians they look pretty similar to the general population in their politics whereas if you are a minority female lgbtq etc then that is you know there are almost no republicans in those groups
0: yeah i mean it seems like this is all Conflated because how you identify in, you know, the religion, you know, and the politics is so intertwined. So like you know, you could say you're a Christian, you could be a cultural Christian. It doesn't really necessarily mean you are much of a believer. Um, and then people who do that, I think are more likely to be Republicans. You know, you've written about LGBT and how sort of malleable that is. Race is also, you know, pretty, pretty malleable. People can, you know, claim identities based on Mm -hmm. some distant ancestor. Um, (laughs) and so, you know, is college just sort of, you know, it's like, it's like flattening all these things. It's like, okay, if you're you know, if you're in this tribe, you're trying to be as, uh, you know, least white and least straight as possible and least Christian as possible. And if you're in this tribe, you sort of go in the other direction and all that stuff is going to, you know, show up in the data. Like, oh, white Christian, you know, predicts conservative where it's all just like one big thing. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, I guess it's, it's interesting though to contrast this with the data from the general public in this CCES or ANES surveys where – it just seems like in these elite college environments, the environment seems to heighten the connection between identity and politics. Like that's there in the general public as well, uh, but it just seems to be accentuated in these in the young elite environments like this. So some, so for a good example would be, you know, especially if we take minority or female young people in the general population, and then you take minority and female elite students. The share of conservatives amongst women and minorities is not that low in the general population and even the general young population, but it really tanks amongst elite students. So so the really underrepresented groups are you know, minority conservatives and female conservatives. Those are the groups, like if you were really doing DEI for real – you'd probably be targeting those groups because they just don't, you know, they, they somehow vaporize before they set foot on campus.
0: Yeah. I mean, part of it is, I mean, okay, if you're a woman and you're conservative, I mean, a lot of uh, conservative women get married and have children pretty, uh, pretty early. I mean, there's some religious communities where it's, you know, a lot earlier than, you know, us sort of urban educated people would, would suspect. So you do have, I mean, you have that, you do have sort of the, uh, you know, the cleavage off before they, before they get to college. um, yeah, and I wonder I mean is it that like, you know, college, you know, Heinz said or is it just like being you know, intelligent, educated, paying attention to what's going on. They're just, you know, they're just getting the signals from. There's just elite signals that basically all minorities and all women have to be, you know, left wing, and uh, you know, uh, conversely, white men tend to be more right wing. Right. It seems like it's just uh, Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this was like if you just looked at like higher. Yeah, well, I know. I know this is true that um you know the the higher more education more educated more uh, income you have um the more um, Uh, The more you tend to sort of have ideologically consistent views, you tend to be like down the line. Right. Yeah. That's uh, down the kind of liberal. And it's not about being in college. I mean, this is even people who are, you know, older and haven't been to college in a while. Uh, So it seems like, yeah, it seems like there's just these sort of, yeah, these these divisions, they become – yeah, let me ask you this. How much do you think these divisions are sort of, um, socially constructed? They're just like, uh, they're just like, uh, you know, it's, it's like a uh, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy where you tell people blacks are like this and women are like this and, you know, Hispanics are like, are like that. Or how much of it is just sort of like natural? Like in men and women, you might say they see the world differently. They have different experiences, could be true for, uh, races. Uh, do you have a sense of like, you know, just thoughts about like how much is, uh, each of these things going on? Well, I think the social construction
1: side, you're right, that, that we, we know from political science there's a long literature that, you know, better educated are more likely to sort, you know, issues into ideologies, into parties. Uh, and, but I think this seems to have a really big effect on minorities in particular, because we know, for, particularly for African Americans, that there's very low sorting and low polarization in general. So, may, But maybe on the college campus, that equation comes, you know, the equation is being made by other people. So I I kind of would think a certain social construction effect is going on that's really hitting minorities, particularly African Americans who come to university. And then for women, maybe too, perhaps, you know, that their sort of political socialization is just more intense. The expectations are more intense on campus. Um, In terms of the evolutionary side, I think if that were true, we would see it, I guess, also in the uh, non-university population, uh, or, or in the in, in the groups that are going to lower rank colleges, but we don't see it as much. It, it really seems like it's more intense in the elite college environment. Uh, so I think there is, a, 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 at the very least, you know, social environment, I think, is playing a, a role uh, in perhaps in some in interaction with certain psychological predispositions, like high openness, maybe. Uh, but that's that's really producing a female and minority uh, student population that looks quite different from the from their counterparts in the public.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I mean, my you know, just going back to sort of my you know impression from re- reading this, it's more. I mean, the there are more. Um, you know, Republicans almost everywhere than I would have thought. So you have this portion, I going back to that uh, figure of uh, twelve. It's like all from all students. This and these are elite students, right? R one, R R two, or just R one. It's almost it's sort seventy five percent R one, and most of the rest R two. Okay, and then you have Ivy Leagues, and you have these uh, liberal arts colleges, right? So you have, you have the uh, you know the top uh, you know few percent of of college students, or top what, what percentage of it are, does this cover of uh, college? About oh, fifteen
1: percent, I would say top 15 heavily weighted
0: and then you have uh, so all you know from all students you have 23% Republican 55% uh, Democrat and the rest are independent according to this I mean there's two things here first of all this is this is the Trump era Uh, When I think that the um, proportion identifying as Republican has to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, at its lowest point. I think any other Republican uh, who's the most famous Republican in the country is probably going to appeal more to uh, people who are college educated. I think this is, I think this is, I think, you know, who the like leader of each party is actually plays an outsized role uh, in the public imagination. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, there's also the, um, yeah, and you know this, you, uh, you know, you did the LGBT uh, study and, you, and you, you saw that, you know, the gay people who identify as gay are probably much more likely to fill out surveys. Um, what, uh, you know, I've, I've done a recent recently written about uh, Democrats and liberals being more likely to answer polling in the context mm-hmm. of uh, presidential elections. So there's got to be, I mean, there's no reason to think that something like that is not going on here too, right? I mean, when you see, when you find these like, you know, data would like in these schools, like 50% are LGBT, like, you know, it's, it's probably not that high. I mean, it, just based on what, what else we know. Uh, do you think that's right? Yeah, I think that is right. It, it's it's only, it's very difficult
1: to know how big the inflation is on LGBT um you know, of course as you see, you know, with with comparing census data in Canada and Britain, you know, we the inflation could be as high as three times. But I I don't know. I I'm not sure is the answer. Because there are some people who argue, well, the census undercounts it. I don't know if that's true. Um but it is just interesting though that this is this identity category is now a major player. Like it's a major factor. Whereas like if you went back to the nineteen seventies, you know, all the students would or heavily be Christian, largely white, more male, very few LGBT, I and mean, it's a completely different world in a way. Whereas now these bu- these major building blocks are are they're big, you know, the the LGBT, the, the no religion block, those are now significant constituencies on campus and are shaping politics now. Whether you know, I I my. Belief would be that that would decline substantially. I mean, the LGBT share will decline substantially as people get older and settle down and whatever. But I, I still think that that is going to be somewhat more important in the in the population and in voting uh, than it than it has been. The other thing I should say, by the way, is we have some over time data I, I gleaned from the uh, uh, Higher Education Research Institute, which has sort of got its freshman survey of like I think a hundred thousand running since 1970. You can see this gender gap emerging. Um, Yes, the the students have been trending liberal since sort of the early mid-2000s, but it's really on the back of of women who who are now sort of 14 points more liberal than they were in the early 2000s. I'm not sure this is really due to individual presidents, right? I mean, you know, there have been multiple presidents since... There's been a, you know the Obama era, there was the Bush era, there's the Trump era and, and I should also say like in Britain you know the young people are also really liberal um, with a whole succession of leaders so I'm less convinced that it's Trump. I, I actually think this is something
0: a lot deeper than Trump. Oh I, I do I do too I would just be I would just be surprised if Trump is not. Uh, suppressing the Republican numbers by five or 10%. I mean, I would be surprised if he, he couldn't have at least an effect of that magnitude. Do you, do you disagree with that?
1: I, 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 don't, I don't think that's right. I think whoever they get next, I wouldn't expect these numbers to shift a whole ton. I, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's Trump. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, so in the 2012 election, I mean, so Romney won college educated whites and Trump lost them by a lot. So we saw just, you know, in 80, in, in four years, I mean, the, um, uh, having a different nominee could just you know switch you know a large portion of uh, uh, educated voters. So why why couldn't that also happen if you know if it's Romney again or somebody like Romney next time? Yeah, it could. I mean, Romney won college-educated whites. I think
1: Trump was. Very close. I, I think it might have been 55. I don't know if he lost
0: them. It's, yeah. Well, it was, yeah. pretty well, we're, close. Um, I think but, it depends on the polls you look at. The polls yeah, running up to the elections. But, uh, you know, whatever. There's probably some, there's some delta there. There's some significant delta between Rob yeah, and Yeah, I think
1: there's some, there's some scope there. I mean, I guess the question is whether the younger elite students are more politically perhaps set in their ways, perhaps, uh, you know, if this is about a kind of political prejudice, you know, the, the fire surveys also show that only 12% of non-Republican students would date a Trump supporter, right? So I, I think you've kind of got a pretty strong, there's pretty strong political bias or pretty political prejudice there. And that might, that might actually withstand a change of leader, um, especially if it's someone like a DeSantis. I'm not sure it would change much.
0: Yeah, I disagree. I think there's something unique about Trump. I think there's something uniquely yeah. aesthetically about Trump that draws certain people to him and that uh, 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 alienates and really draws people the other direction. I, I just think – I think he's different and I think DeSantis I, – I, I think DeSantis would be – the reality would be closer to Romney. I don't think it's as much about like moderate or non-moderate uh, politics. I think it's just like – normal human being versus you know, I just I just think he's in his own, own category I think anyone else would be sort of closer to closer to Romney and, and how the public uh would react but uh any, anyways uh, this is um you know for the future of politics I was looking at um you know not that long ago uh the federal judges and you know In our system, uh, you know, judges is one of the most important things that a president does, and like they were looking at the breaking down the demographics. I mean, it's amazing. The Democrats, I mean, like white males are a minority. I mean, the the number of uh, you know, the, the like. Uh, blacks among, you know, the judges appointed by Biden, it's like 20%. I mean, just like Hispanic numbers. I mean, they're, they're, they're really, really high. I mean, much higher than number of blacks who graduate, you know, from elite colleges or anything, you know, you would expect. It's really, there's massive diversity, um, you know, appointmentship in the, in the federal, if that's a word, uh, in, the, in the federal judiciary. And then people look at, um, you know, Trump um, and the Republicans and, you know, it's what you expect. It's, it's uh, you know, almost exclusively white, um, a lot of white men, and so you're having like it's just fascinating. Federal right now, there's uh, there is um, there are three liberals on the uh, Supreme Court, and every one of them um, is a, is, a, uh, is a is a woman. You have um, you have no ma- you have no male liberals on the Supreme Court, which is I mean it's not people don't talk about that enough, but it's a, you have the uh, the um, you have Sotomayor, um, you have uh, Kagan, and then you have uh, uh, uh Brown Jackson. Um, and then on the um, conservative side, you have uh, six and you have, you know, five men uh, and, and one woman. Um, and, you know, it's funny, there's so much racial diversity on the liberal side. There's three women, each is of a different race. One is Puerto Rican, one is Jewish, uh, and one is black. Right. Um, and yeah, that's interesting. And so the entire federal judiciary is becoming basically going in this direction and from what your research indicates and everything we know indicates that it's going to keep going like this. It's going to be like all judges are going to be white men. In, like, in politics, they'll be more like affirmative action. You'll have like Republicans um, nominating, you know, just I don't know, like politics, you know, it's like you, you vet your judges usually much more than your politicians and the politicians can just, you know, go and, you know, they, they don't even have to be very smart or anything. You can just get anybody to be a politician and the parties, I think, will seek out some diversity. The Democrats will probably Give some boost to white men who are more electable, and Republicans will do the affirmative action thing and have a lot of more blacks and women uh, than you'd, you'd expect. But um, in the world of bureaucracy and the world of like courts, I think we're going to a very, very polarized place. Um, and I don't know. It's just I don't know how it's going to play out. It's just going to be a very interesting dynamic. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's really interesting because you you're right that
1: if, if you take that top education level, it does seem as though we're producing a more identity divided you know, identity polarized elite in the sense that minorities and women are, are, you know, disproportionately in the elite, disproportionately leaning left and white Christian male are, are looking like the rest of the population. So that's a, that's a growing divide. I guess the, the only counter to that would be, I mean, I don't know if you saw that statistic that if you are, I think if you come out of the Ivy league and you're a law grad, your chance of, of clerking is something like 12 or 14 times higher. Or maybe it's 12 times higher if you are a conservative. And so I think what's happening there is because of the influence, uh, you know, conservatives through the Federalist Society are mining their small seam of talent more intensively. And so presumably, if they wanted to just get the Clarence Thomas's. And, you know, if they wanted some diversity, they could mine an even smaller seam to to produce them. Uh, But you're right. In the general scheme of things, they would probably wind up with more white Christian males. Oh, I I don't –
0: yeah, I I don't think there's many Clarence Thomases. I mean I don't think there's many at the lower – uh, levels. It's um you're right, because yeah, because there's an equal number of like conservative and liberal judges approximately, but like there's a lot more at elite universities, there's a lot more liberal students and So just by necessity, conservatives are going to get a kind of affirmative action. They're gonna be more likely. But you know, I, I know people, you know, wouldn't like you know I've been in Yale Federal society and, and, you know, they don't they don't talk about like, oh, all these blacks that are you know part of participating in Yale FedSoc. I mean they're they're just not they're just not there. I mean I think that if you can um, you know, if you if you wanna just somebody wanted to be a careerist as much as possible, I think being a minority, uh, being a woman, and going into like conservative politics, like I think that's the best path for you. I mean, that's probably the easiest path to success. Um, but it doesn't seem like a lot of people are are inclined to take that path, especially at elite universities. The socialization and the pressures. I mean, look at what Clarence Thomas how he talks about like you know the pressures that he faced. I mean, it's just it's just too great for most people.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wonder whether they might recruit at. Lower-ranked universities, or regional, or maybe even historically black colleges, or some other source, right? I mean, it's that would probably be the strategy HBCU, if you, want it, probably, yeah. if you wanted to have
0: HBCUs. <laughs> conservative, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but, but I, I mean, I'm, here, of course, we, we've got the conservative party who's who's doing badly now, but they they've got a lot of minorities uh, at the front, you know, in the in the top positions, which they've. Kind of done, I think, by recruiting heavily from, you know, from minority conservative students. So, so I think if you're if you want to do it, there are ways to do it. Um, but, but you know, it depends on. They'll probably have to go away from the Ivy League. I'm guessing they'd have to. Have
0: well, to I mean, uh, uh, Amy uh, Coney Barrett. Um, where did she go to law school? She's um, uh, she was a. Um, uh, I know she was teaching at Notre Dame. Uh, she got her JD, I believe, I want to say, um, uh, also from Notre Dame, right? Uh, so yeah, that's a, you know it's still a good law school, but it's a little bit down. You know they have this woman, and you know she's got this great story with all you know all these kids and you know these conservative views. So yeah, they they they, they did do a little bit of that while you know it, uh, the liberals are still appointing just everyone from you know Harvard and Yale. Liberal conservatives do that too, but like I think it, the uh, Amy Coney Barrett is an interesting uh, counter example of that. Yeah, there are you know the uh, yeah there just I mean there just aren't a lot of black cons- so you have conservatives are a minority of students. Black Blacks are, you know, ninety something percent, you know, more polarized than general publication and Democrats. You know, Clarence Thomas is like a unicorn. Just statistically, you're not going to go to an elite school. You're just not going to find I mean, if You find one person like that a generation. They'll put them on the Supreme Court. They would be happy to put another Clarence Thomas on the uh, on the Supreme Court. They're just they're just not out there. So yeah, if you're a young, you know, black, lost, <laughs> there's a path. Available, there's a path available for you. And the other thing with the UK, I mean, it's interesting because I, I think the UK the, the education polarization does not strike me as so extreme and the racial polarization does not strike me uh, as extreme, right? So is, is, is that right? In which case, well, it that, probably would be easier to... Intrude. It's not as
1: extreme. Yeah, I think that's right. And, um, you know, so one of the, the, the things you notice is that in the black conservatives tend to be of an African background, um, African immigrant background, or, or let's say second generation, whereas the Caribbean uh, blacks tend to be in the labor party and on the left. Mm, so that's kind of a split. Yeah. And then the, similarly with the South Asians, the Pakistanis and the more Muslim groups are, tend to be on the left and the Hindus and Sikhs are more on the right. So you kind of, there is a certain sorting by ethnicity. Uh, I mean, it's not to say all the Hindus and Sikhs are, are on the right. They're probably split evenly. Whereas Pakistanis and Bangladeshis are probably heavily, uh, on the left.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. And no, so in our country, we do not have, I mean, a lot of immigrant blacks involved in, well, because you're, you're, you know, you don't have any uh, native blacks. So, I mean, they're going to be immigrants. Um, yeah, there was this one woman uh, called um, Mia Love, um, who was like, I think a Mormon convert. She was, her background's from Haiti. Um, she was a. I think she lost her re-election, but she did serve as a, a congresswoman as a as a Republican. Um, right. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, Colin Powell. Uh, Colin Powell had a Caribbean background, and then so did um, Eric Holder. Um, on the other right. side, I don't think they were born there, but their their families uh, came from there. And so, yeah, in America, we don't even th- we don't even think of them as like you know immigrants. We just we just see blacks assimilating. We just see them as you know black people, and we see them as assimilating <laughs> into the larger uh, population. The the uh, you know the Caribbean. I mean, the Caribbean. I guess they have the history of colonization. I don't know if that if that's part of it or. But in you know the Africans, you know yeah. or something else. But I mean, I would be interested to see more Africans. I mean, we have Obama, obviously, who's dad was right. from Africa and then um, you know like Ilhan Omar. so there's not a lot of conservatives that i can think of they come from uh, african backgrounds but it would be interesting if, if such people start yeah into one of their politics
1: cuz one of the sort of the most populist anti-woke kind of tough tough on the border candidates here was some called kemi badnock who was a, a nigerian uh, immigrant background who ran for and actually topped the you know it was the top choice of the members Although the members of parliament got to winnow it down to the final two, so they didn't include her. But it's just, yeah, I think there is, uh, I don't know. I mean, in a way, even even a really, really small percentage of a really large number is still quite a few people. So, I mean, if you had an efficient selecting mechanisms, they're probably the, you know, I'm just thinking of, it's like the black conservatives on Twitter, the, you know, the, the, or, or let's say the dissidents like Goldman Hughes and McWhorter and, uh, and um, Wilfred Riley and people like that. There, so there must be those people as well uh, coming out of law school. But you have to be able to identify them.
0: Yeah, I, I just I don't think they think they exist. I mean, I, like I, you know, if you look at the top elite schools, I mean, Yale has you know a few hundred graduates. You know, maybe ten percent are black um you know maybe one is good probably going to be conservative a year i mean so like yeah, yeah you That's have like true. one more from harvard and one more for you know stanford and who knows what they want to do with their lives if they don't even want to be you know judges or, or whatever yeah. so uh, yeah i i would be um yeah, I mean, maybe 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 Hispanics, maybe you'll have we'll have more luck there. Um, I think there, I think Hispanics, you know, there's not as much affirmative action being practiced. So I think if you know if you see more Hispanics coming into elite universities, uh, maybe that would probably be uh, a more useful place to search. But yeah, and then the the women thing. I mean, I really do think the conservatives are handicapped here by the fact that a lot of women do uh, get married and have children and are not the most, you know, necessarily. We'll like, throw you know, forget everything else and just focus on career. I mean, Amy Coney Barrett was able to do it, right? And she had you know, seven kids and a few of them were adopted. Um, but that's just not the I think you know, that most people can't do that. Um, no. <laughs> so, yeah, so you know, what, what can you do there? Superhuman, I, think, I, think, I think, but uh, <laughs> yeah, right. So, I think you have to, uh, I don't know, like, what do you think? What do you think? Like, I think the liberal like the liberal, this doesn't pose difficulties for liberals. They look at data like this, they can say, oh, we'll just say, you know, diversity is good and we're the party of diversity and we're the compassionate people who uh, take into account the feelings and interests of, you know, all groups. Um, What's the conservative answer? I mean, do you just recruit affirmative action and try to downplay or do you embrace it? You know, do you embrace it to um, a certain extent? Have you thought about this?
1: Well, I don't, I think, hmm, I mean there's some degree to which you can do affirmative action and but I think there's also a danger in in essentially playing you know playing them at their own game because you're affirming that view of the world that that essentially more diversity is always is always to the good whereas I think probably the sensible thing is to do do some diversity you know no doubt there will be a disproportionate number of women or, or non-whites compared to the to the pipeline but on the other hand uh, you don't want to. You know. You also want to have your most talent. You know, whoever the most talented person is in the job as well. So you kind of have to balance those two. Um, yeah, I don't know what the Democrat, what the liberal side is, th- what their thoughts are on something like judges. You know, are they going to go for just maximal diversity, it's to the point where there are no white men at all uh, in in their uh, nominees? I don't know. I mean, that would seem to be a, a strategy that I don't think will play that well. Uh, the optics of that may not play that well, even for minorities. I, I particularly Latinos, for example. I'm not sure they're going to, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, from people,
0: yeah, from people I talk to um, who are involved in you know high level of judicial politics, like there's actually you know I think that some people think of judicial appointments like you just want you know in our system where the judges are so important, you just want the judges to rule in the right way, right? Um, so competence is really maybe not that important. But the people tell me is that like being smart, like being the best person actually does matter because you, you know, there's a lot of strategic, you know, uh, strategy and like, you know, which, uh, which arguments you noticed, you know, what has a fact, like which cases you, you decide to take and which cases you decide to, uh, uh, pass on. So, yeah, I think this, I think this kind of affirmative action I, the Democrats are, uh, undertaking, I think it's gotta be, um, it's gotta be self-defeating, um, in the end. Um, the, uh, yeah, but I guess my, you know, my question was how do, like, okay, so yeah, conservatives do a little bit maybe of preferences, but then they, you know, but then they really don't, and they just all end up being a bunch of white men. I mean, the question is, like, do they, can they avoid, like, what what are they, what's the response, though, when, like, you know, is is there, like, a sort of uh, a party line on, like, the response to when liberals say, oh, this is wrong, there's something bad about you, you're just, uh, you're just uh, trying to bring more privilege to those who are already privileged. I mean, is there is there a political way to sort of uh, answer this? Well, Well,
1: my own my view on this is that you know i would just say well the privilege or no privilege is not the highest value the highest value has to be competence you know stick to the meritocratic line that it's you know we'll take it into account where there's a tie break we'll we'll we'll, we'll use we'll But they'll, use so they'll say right why
0: there. is why is why are you 95 percent white men if if you are competence are you saying that white men are more competent than other people
1: well, I mean, you have to look at your pipeline of, you know, you just say, well, what's our pipeline like? We're reflecting our pipeline. So, so I don't know what the, I mean, who knows what the actual selection will be. I presume it should reflect the pipeline. Whatever demographics are in the pipeline is what's going to wind up. Well,
0: you'll, yeah, but then you'll say, okay, why does your ideology, why does your ideology only appeal to these, <laughs> to these bad people? You see, there's, there has to be, you know, I, I think there has to be an answer. I think there has to be something beyond.
1: You know, well, it uh, doesn't only appeal, though, does it? I mean, it, it's going to be, yes, it'll be less diverse than the uh, Democrat pipeline, but mm. you know, this is not. it's not the fault of the ideology that it attracts certain groups more than other groups. Well, I mean, no, you, can certainly is. Point, well you can certainly point to the wider voting public. Like, if, you, if that's the concern, you can just say, well, this may be a, uh, an artifact of the elite pipeline, but if we look at the wider population, very clearly there are a lot of – particularly Hispanic and Asian people voting for the Republicans. It's not really a problem at the at the mass level, but maybe the particularities of the uh, elite game mean that there's a certain stereotyping that goes on and that, that tends to push minorities into the left column. Maybe what you can say is that culture is is socially constructing minorities into the into the liberal column. So maybe that is, That's where you're saying, well, this shouldn't be happening. We should actually be trying to move away from political typing of minorities and and just take people more on uh, as individuals, I suppose.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, (laughs) question. Yeah, obvious answer. I, you know, I would just, I would embrace the, I would embrace being the male party. I would embrace it, and I would say, our women. You know, the women are, we have women on our side, but they often want to get married and have children. That is a legitimate uh, lifestyle choice. Um, And you are discriminating and denigrating them by saying that they have to be equally represented as men and saying that their lives are uh, less valuable or they're contributing less to society. I, I would, you know, I would take a little bit maybe more of an aggressive role on this.
1: Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think this idea of uh, discrimination, right, that, that essentially gender or racial discrimination is, is, is something where, again, I mean, I think that's a, a useful way to proceed. Right. Because if you are if you are essentially selecting for, uh, you know, race and, and gender, then that is a form of discrimination. So, yeah, I think that's probably a strong card to play. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, leaning into, you know, we are a male party. I'm not sure that's a great idea. I mean, the other thing is, of course... And, that, and women who like
0: men and who like heteronormative relations. Yeah, and, maybe, yeah. Know. I mean,
1: I think, though, the the evidence, so one of the, you know, there's different bits of evidence. I mean, one is there's a huge divide politically between, particularly stay-at-home uh, mums you know, who trend much more heavily Republican. Um, but also the fact, I think, that you know, whether you are Republican or Democrat is, is heavily determined also by psychology. And and so there's – even amongst career women, you're going to have, you know, probably a certain proportion that are are leaning right, you know, even amongst the most unlikely demographics. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure – I'm not sure I'd go with typing by by gender, but I'd say uh, definitely put – you know, saying that we don't do discrimination on the basis of race and sex, I think that's probably the best – The best answer.
0: Yeah, right. And then, you know, I've heard in politics. I mean, in electoral politics, I... I think is fine, but although it, it can, you know, because it's like, it's like, you know, politicians aren't necessarily, you know, they're, they're supposed to just, there's, they are supposed to represent the people, right? <laughs> they are like Yeah, they yeah. yeah. That's... The people. They don't, but, but, you know, you, it's, I think it's gotten disastrous. I think with Georgia, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the race in Georgia, but this guy, Herschel oh, Walker. Well, Herschel Walker, Walker, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who Trump loves and who's had, you know, multiple abortions and multiple children out of wedlock and men- multiple mental issues. Yeah, he's, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it it's seems like a car, car crash. crash. <laughs> he still might win I mean it's not it's not hopeless. really oh my goodness uh, yeah he, he still might win but yeah you, you could see the, the you know when you're selecting from a small poll and you're desperate for black Republicans I think this often happens you just you just you know you, you just don't have uh anybody of, of quality you could point to um so the the most right- leaning student bodies you have this other uh, figure. it's no, uh, number 28. Um, how many? Uh, do you, it looks like there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten schools where more Republicans than Democrats. Is that every school with uh, uh more? Uh, That's Republicans pretty much it. People? It's
1: it's it's pretty much around a dozen um, out of 160 or so. So so yeah, I mean this is the other part of the report. Of course, is there's a, it's also a rankings system uh, of viewpoint diversity, and what I mean by that is. Um, an even number of liberals and conservatives, Republicans and Democrats gets you the top score. And University of Arkansas, I think got top spot as the most viewpoint diverse, compiled out of the 2020, 2021 data. So, and, and what you kind of see is that, you know, it's really those red state, deep red flagship universities where you have the most even mix. A lot of them will have a significant number of liberals. I mean, Brigham Young University, people think these are all conservative. Not at all. I mean, even a BYU, I think, has got 30-something percent uh, liberal and 48, something like 48 percent conservative. But in many of those uh, red state schools, it's pretty even. And, of course, the point there is – and this is something that I don't address as much in this report, but I have looked at the data – is that essentially – the fear of speaking your mind and and the degree to which you self-censor is very tied to the mix and the ideological mix. So the more viewpoint diversity, the freer the conversation. And so actually one of the points I make also in my unheard uh, piece is that, you know, where people fled the, fled the interior for the coastal cities to find that intellectual freedom. It's almost a century later uh, it looks like that's almost turning around where people are almost going to have to flee the sort of liberal arts colleges and Ivy Leagues, uh, East Coast schools or, or West Coast schools for the heartland in order to find that
0: uh, freer intellectual climate.
1: Um, and so that, that was one of the ironies. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, Hillsdale is like something you know. You have all these uh, interior school, but then Hillsdale is something completely different. It's an outlier. Uh, it's seventy six percent conservative, eleven liberal. The second place is Utah State at forty nine conservative and thirty liberal. So everything is just like two to one is like the most. You know, and it's not even two to one. It's like you know fifty percent more conservatives than liberals is the most you could expect. And then Hillsdale, you have you know uh, six or seven times more uh, conservatives than liberals, and it's very interesting. I mean, they they had a strategy of they do not take federal. Funding, so they don't have to comply with um, civil rights law. So they they are very um, they are a very you know explicitly conservative uh, place. And I don't think it's even um, you know I, I don't think it's even it, it's not like Liberty University. It's not tied to like even maybe it is a Christian school. I I'm not sure, but I, I don't think it's even um, uh, if it, religion. I don't know if religion is central uh, to its identity. Let me look this up. But the,
1: the the student body is. Heavily Christian, Um, I'm not sure it is a. It's not some kind of a requirement, Uh, and so yeah, it seems that. But it's definitely an outlier. There's no question about it. In its makeup, is is completely, you know, off the scale compared to every other (laughs) college. Now, however, having said that, of course, the liberal arts colleges are less politically diverse than Hillsdale. Hillsdale, I think, has about. 11 percent liberal if i can remember it correctly and whereas the liberal arts colleges it's sort of in the range zero to five percent conservative for for a lot of the ones like smith and wellesley and ones that are down at the ends there so it's the sort of very left-leaning uh, schools are less politically diverse even than hillsdale but 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 amongst the right-leaning ones Hillsdale's really off the charts yeah um, and
0: then yeah, and then the other right-leaning ones are, you know, Utah State, Brigham Young, right Mormon school, uh, Wyoming. Uh, you have these uh, te- Texas, uh, like technical schools, A and M, and Texas Tech. People think of Texas as sort of a uh, blueing state, but it's interesting that the young people are still more conservative than liberals in uh, college. It's not not Austin, you know, U- UT Austin, I'm sure. Uh, but then you have Wyoming, you have Kansas State uh, University, you have Baylor, you have Clemson, you have University of Alabama. Uh, these are you know these are the conservative uh, schools the um, um, but you know it's 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 interesting. I mean I would not have, you know, I would I don't know I, I would have suspected that maybe no uh, flagship university uh, would have had more conservatism. I would have maybe you know maybe Utah, uh, I would have guessed, um, but not these other ones. so maybe I mean maybe the, um, you know, it's sort of like the people expect the you know these like states to become more everything to be a little more liberal over time, and these states especially to become more democratic over time. You know, maybe maybe that's not going to happen, right? Maybe Texas, you know, the, if the educated public in Texas is still you know going to be majority conservative, that means Texas might be safe for the Republican column for a while. Uh, do you think that sounds right?
1: Yeah, I think that does sound right. I mean, I think one thing that's occurring is and and because because what we what I did was I looked at segregation. Uh, You know how much are conservatives or white Christians or or these groups um, disproportionately concentrated in certain uh, schools and not in other schools? And and what you see is the uh, the sort of white conservative, in general, conservatives are more concentrated than liberals. Um, It would suggest that, and, and particularly white conservatives and white Christians, the pattern seems to be that if you had a really bright you know, white Christian kid from, let's say, Wyoming or from from Texas or, or wherever, um, they might, may be less likely to head for the Ivy League or head for uh, an East Coast or liberal arts college than a liberal. And so I think one of the things that's going on is that there is a certain degree to which these students are staying in state if they're living, if they're from a, a red state. Um, and so, yeah, I think you might get that. Uh, you know, maintenance of these sorts of voting patterns including amongst elites because of this phenomenon. Um, and, and, and that's partly why I argue that in, in a way whites, whites Christians, white conservatives are becoming, you could argue they're maybe becoming a somewhat more self-conscious group as they decline, as their numbers are, are much smaller than they used to be. Then that becomes a basis for a kind of identity politics, oddly. <laughs> so...
0: Well, yeah, I mean some of these places, I you know, I don't know if, you know, they're, uh, you know, are there a lot of like, you know, people who could go to the coast who who don't? I mean like University of Arkansas, for example, I don't think, you know, the average standardized test is, you know, very high. So I, part of it might be, you know, the liberal schools might just be getting everybody except Hillsdale and, and Mormons, like cause people who are self-consciously conservative. <laughs> self-consciously Mormon, I, you know, University of Wyoming, I, You know, I, I, it's probably just, you know, these are probably just people who, um, you know, there might be some who are, who could go to like, you know, better schools, but it seems like a lot of cases, maybe, maybe not. Um, so maybe that's, maybe that's. Yeah, but all what, you need is, is a surprising. small,
1: I mean, a small difference, let's say, between the ones who could, could go to a better school, let's say out of state or choose not to for whatever reason. But I mean, if it's even a slight difference between a, a liberal kid from Wyoming and a conservative kid, then that's going to matter at the aggregate level. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not always, yeah. It's not like the most natural thing for someone to want to move around to, you know, wherever they can, you know, the best university they could get into. I think a lot of people are connected to home. Um, I don't know i mean i I don't know how many like I don't know how many people you know these states like Wyoming and so forth, I mean they were founded by people who left home and went and settled you know somewhere and like you know <laughs> home. so I don't know if they're necessarily the kind of people who would necessarily be uh you know uh, attached to to where they live, but you know some of them some of them must be there's this uh uh there you know there's this um yeah i mean, what do you think about um I don't know. Like, what do you think? I'm going to write something about this, and this might be out by the time uh, by the time we uh, release this podcast. Um you know, do you have a idea of like sort of the roots of you know the culture wars, the sort of urban-rural divide? Is it just? I think you know you put a lot of stock in ideas. Um, just you know, there's this you know expressive you know uh, ideology that you know elites have, and there's you know it, it bounces up against I think human nature to a certain extent. These people who just you know are socially conservative or ethnocentric to a certain degree. Uh, is is that is that how you is that how you see it, or do you think there's something there's something deeper um, going on here that can ex- sort of ex- explain culture wars across uh, the sort of a similar culture war across developed countries.
1: Yeah, I think, I think the core is the sort of Jonathan Haidt mechanism, you know, certain types of people like seeing messy dots on a screen and other people want to see them in a neat triangle. <laughs> you know, his paper from, from 2018 with all those other psychologists. But I think, I mean, that that's obviously very correlated with that, that sort of disposition for kind of order and stability versus change and difference is i think at the core of, of politics and i think that those sort of psychological dispositions then they lead people to select for those environments which tend to be the more conservative environments so you're getting uh, you know you start with a kind of uh, evolved psychological difference that 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 selects people into different environments which accentuates those differences that's the ma- that's the sort of pattern i think we're we're kind of in um And so I do think that that's the starting block. Now what happens is you get a different reaction to immigration. So one of the big patterns has been this polarization around the immigration issue in the U.S., in Canada, in Britain. It's most extreme in the U.S. and Canada from what I've seen of the data, but it's it's gone from like – 10, 12 points in as 2012 to 50 points by 2016 in the U.S. and in Canada between 2013 and 2019, something similar. So uh, what I think you're getting is a sorting of the electorate based on that disposition. Now, of course, there is party queuing and messaging, but like in the Canadian case, the conservative side has not been pushing an immigration restrictionist lines, so, but at the same time, if you look at the survey data, that's favored by a lot of conservative voters. And so the sorting, I think, is going on, and I think it's based on psychology. Now, culture wars is is a sort of liber- or left liberal reaction to that populist conservatism that wants less change, less difference, more order. And then the left side is moralizing that as you're closed-minded, you're deplorable, racist, etc., Um, And then the sort of conservative side is then reacting against being called deplorable or in the British case, we had various politicians who called, you know, working class British people racists in a way or implied that they were. So you have this kind of dynamic going back and forth. It's a second order moral conflict that's built on this first order psychological divide. So I see that as the dynamic that we're in right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. The height stuff used to be more convincing to me. Um, You know, do you think people who want stability and and Predictability and order—that you would vote for Donald Trump—is that the way to—is that the way to get stability and order? It seems to be that you know there's there's you know it seems to me I hear liberals now and they're you know trust the experts. You know they they seem to be most you know the most small C conservative trust institutions. You know whoever has a degree, whoever's expertise, who you know every government program, you know every you know they seem to be some of the most you know like conservative people I've ever seen. They don't distrust anything. I mean they they really believe in our institutions. So I don't know. I don't know if that like that's psychological that's the sort of psychological cleavage there
1: well i guess you you might be willing to vote for a disruptor if you think they will bring back you know make america great again what what you're voting for is somebody who's going to bring back stability on a kind of identity level let's say so even though they are going against the system if you if you kind of think the system is what is standing in the way of you having a more cohesive uh, society that looks more like the past, then you will go with a disruptor. When we've seen this time and time again with populists in various contexts, in, by the way, including like, you know, sectarian politics in Northern Ireland, you know, people voting for Ian Paisley, you know, that kind of thing. Paisley was a disruptor, but on the other hand, hey, he's the one who's going to guarantee that, that we're not going to be in a United Ireland you know so, so it is I, I think it makes sense similarly with Brexit like if you think about hey they're going to protect our identity but to do that they have to disrupt the existing elite and then on the other hand on the other side they want to stick with the existing elite because they will protect um, diversity and change and, and that dispensation.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it strikes me that the, that that theory is sort of it's it's, uh, it's unfalsifiable, right? You could say, oh, they want order, and then but then the other people they want to disrupt, or oh, they just want a different, you know, they 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 just they really secretly want order. So I don't know if like the order thing, you know, exp, you know, explains it, I, you know, the stability. I, I think there's something there related to race and gender, but I, I think it's like it's too abstract. Um, to say or like so if you look at like economic policy, right? I mean, yeah, the populists, I mean they maybe they're more left-wing than traditional republicans have been on economic policy but you know still i mean the, the fact that populists do not prioritize economic stability right they, they don't say oh you know we're, we 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 care you know they're they're not being drawn to trump for you know his trade policy or whatever they don't care they care about immigration they care about you know PC, um and so like that's the entire thing of economics like it's you know stability doesn't seem to explain anything about the right versus left and then like you know, foreign policy, I don't know that you can explain like stability is like anything to do with any of that. So it's just like, it seems to me it's it's more narrow. It's just like these, you know, it's race and it's gender and it's sexuality. And it's not like, it's not like stability or order because like we have a certain order now, right? And so like, you know, there's people who defend and get in people who want to, you know, radically upend it. And you could say they're going back to a different order, but you know, then that's just like everything is just order, right? In, in that case, it's not like well. from, <laughs> from the other.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know I think it depends you're right I mean I mean the thing about gender and race and these demographics is they they give you really weak models of, of you know of voting I mean that that'll give you at the most
0: maybe 10% of the variation no, I, mean, in, I, mean, in, I mean I, I mean I, I mean um, I mean attitudes toward these things I don't mean just you know, okay
1: uh, well attitudes towards
0: race and gender uh, yeah yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah.
1: I, I, I suppose to the extent that that sort of is really about, some kind of continuity with the past, returning to a past dispensation. So the, the question, you just have to look at the huge, you know, powerful correlations between a question like things in America were better in the past or American culture was better in the past. I mean, that that is just so much more powerful, many times more powerful than anything demographic in predicting a Trump vote uh, or predicting a, a Brexit vote, by the way. So that, you know... I'm quite convinced by the the strength of these correlations that that's what's going that's what's at the core of this is things in America were better in the past you know the end of story um, then there are other questions like okay support for death penalty support for strict child rearing the kind of you know authoritarianism literature I mean that's that's a reasonably good predictor it's better than the demographics it's not as good as the things, the American culture was better in the past. I mean, that is far, far more, more, uh, important. So I just think there's this desire for, um, yeah, more of a continuity with the past and less, you know, seeing difference as disorderly, seeing change as loss, you know, those core motivations, I think. And then you'll, you'll vote for whoever will get you that dispensation again.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I don't think I, yeah, I don't think that's completely wrong. I think there's something there about the. Um, <laughs> I was looking at some breakfast data, and they were like, oh, you know, had the internet has been you know bad for society? I'm like, oh, if somebody could think the internet was bad for society, and it was like Brexit voters, like overwhelmingly, I guess <laughs> the internet has been bad for society, and I was surprised that like you know somebody could actually think that. I mean, it has problems, but you know, I mean. You know, still. I mean, the, the benefits seem overwhelming to be. Um, well, the other thing I would say is like you can see on certain questions like
1: that on the pandemic stuff, that that is less important. It doesn't sort the electorate uh, as well. So, for example, a lot of Brexit supporters supported, uh, back, you know, all of the uh, lockdown restrictions. Uh, they weren't necessarily anti-lockdown in a big way. Now, it was a little different in the U.S. and Canada, of course, but uh, still – I don't think that's as powerful. It's it's not as powerful as the um, as the sort of uh, things things were better in the past. Uh, if we're trying to yeah, pick
0: out- well, the lockdown, I mean, the thing is, it just—I I was, yeah, I was I also saw the in the, like the uh, far right in Germany was also marching against the lockdown. So it does seem. I, I did see actually some data showing it, it showed cross call, across nationally, and it showed you know European country after European country, the right was generally uh, against more more restrictions. So it, it, there does seem to be a pattern there, um, and that's actually quite. You know, inter- interesting too, because like you know, with the, the st- what would the stability and order? You know, what would, what would that? What would that predict? Right? I think it would predict. I think it would predict something like closer to China. I mean, I think that's a regime which just seems all about stability and order, and you know, they just are scared to death of COVID and 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 you know, just like. You know, let whatever happen. Let it rip through the population. You know, let it you know kill as many people as possible. We need our we need our freedom, and we need to be able to live our lives. Um, that seems to be like the anti stability Or how, so how, you know, how does how does the theory explain that? It's it's it's, it's sort of a, it's it's an anomaly, isn't it? It is an anomaly, and it doesn't. It's not explained by um,
1: by this theory at all. But that but that's one of the reasons I think that you know no populist party in Europe really has led with this issue. I mean the, va- the the whole lockdown vaccine thing has not been really front and center for any serious populist party in Europe. I mean they've all led on the migration sort of issue. And so that's kind of an example of what I mean is that this isn't Nigel Farage tried to do a bit on on anti lockdown stuff in Britain it went nowhere. I think that's the dominant pattern I would say. I don't you know of course To the extent if the right sort of talks it up, then some people will take a party cue and adopt that point of view. But I think it's pretty – it's a lot flimsier than the uh, identity stuff and and particularly the uh, desire for – Less change, you know. I think so. That's
0: yeah. Sort of... So I saw some pretty. I saw some pretty, you know, strenuous pro- protests um, against lockdowns. I think in like Belgium or the Netherlands, some of these northern. I don't know if they were necessarily right coded. Maybe it was just all you know, young people were just you know angry and maybe they were cross ideological. Maybe it wasn't as you know. Maybe it wasn't like a right wing thing. Um, yeah, yeah. In America, but like
1: and Canada, that's for that's, that, like in Canada, the trucker thing and the, uh, you know, there's a significant youth and young person element to support for conservatism now in canada on the back of these lockdown uh, being anti-lockdown i think that's more of a libertarian i think in a way that canadian libertarian populist movement is a bit of an outlier and it's not really similar to what we've seen on populist right parties elsewhere yeah well that's i
0: mean that's that's I mean, that's, that is interesting. Yeah. I was watching, uh, Zamor, uh, speech and I remember, uh, this was, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, this was, when did, when did, when was the, uh, when was the French election? It was like late 2021 or early 2022. Um, I think it was late, late 2021 because so, yeah, I'm, I'm trying, trying
1: to, to remember, remember. The, I, I think it was 2022 but uh, yeah it was no, definitely it 20- was
0: 2022 because I remember Philippe Lemon was telling me that uh, uh that uh the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine really screwed with the Zamor's chances so it must have been it must have been in 2022 um the um, but I but in 2022 or 2021 I see a Zamor rally and they're all wearing masks outside maybe this was like your Christmas. Holiday. and like the idea that an American far right, I mean, right, even a right, right? Like people would be wearing masks outside I mean, like, you know, just unthinkable so it really was a, it does seem like it was a completely uh, different issue Um in europe okay I, I want i want people to be anti-lockdown out right, <laughs> right. so you know yeah i hope i wish it would motivate somebody but yeah maybe it's more optimistic if it's more uh uh well i guess it's not optimistic if europeans you know all were willing to go along with it I, I think that that's uh that's a negative but oh well you know i go i go where the where the evidence uh where the <laughs> evidence leads um George Mason, where's George Mason on the six? So you have, I mean, it's really cool. I mean, you have at the end, you have this, um, you have an interactive um, table um, that we link to on the, uh, on, the uh, on the website where the report is. Um, and so you just, I mean, it's just very cool to sort of look through this. Um, Idaho, you know, University of Idaho, you know, more liberal than conservatives. Uh, George Mason, I, you know, is, is interesting, right? So I saw the George Mason one. It's 27 conservative, 28 uh moderated 45 liberal and you know George Mason I mean George Mason is the home of sort of intellectual libertarianism um, very interesting that it's uh, the student body is, is left leaning maybe it's just Northern Virginia yeah. that's, Although 27,
1: that's 27 is actually reasonably high as a conservative share for a kind of DC based school obviously it's a very racially diverse you know university which you know and so, so it's kind of I, I would almost you know compared to the Ivy Leagues, which are sort of ten to fifteen percent conservative, it's still substantially more conservative. so it would have more viewpoint diversity there. Uh, but yeah, there's that tool which which we link to in the report, which allows you to sort of look at these schools by share of conservatives and Republicans and Democrats and so on. Um, but I think one of the broader points which I think will come out in a subsequent report is just how important the viewpoint diversity is. right. We, we talk a lot about uh, having Chicago principles and the right free speech academic freedom policies and the, the importance of administrations but arguably they can only do so much. I mean if your peers on social media and in class and that's who you socialize with and that they can make or break your experience at university they have a lot of power over you and so even if the like at the University of Chicago, even if they're doing a really good job in terms of formal protections for academic freedom, you could still have a quite repressive atmosphere. And one of the things that I think is gonna come out, well, I know will come out in in that report is is just how important having a very high viewpoint diversity score is for having uh, high openness in terms of discussions and, and freedom, intellectual freedom. And in fact, you need to have that if you're really going to be free to have discussions.
0: Well, this is this is the entire justification for diversity, you know, DEI, affirmative action. It's like you get different viewpoints, and then but like you can just you know select people on different viewpoints. You could just directly select in that rather than use race as a proxy, um, especially if the people of the race are going to be the same. You know, the uh, minority race are going to be of the same politics as the majority of the student body. That really doesn't. Um, at anything, yeah. So it, it seems to me there's like a missed opportunity here for conservatives to say, Okay, you believe in diversity, like you should. I mean, it's easily manipulable, right? Anyone can just, if you just ask people, you know, are you conservative or, or liberal, they can, you know, check a box and say they're conservative if you gave affirmative action to conservatives. Um, but you know, there's the, you could look at like extracurriculars and stuff like that. Did you remember that? Um, The one data where conservative uh, extracurriculars actually hurt you. I think this was like Princeton. Somebody got a hell of the data. This was a while ago. This might have been, you know, 10 or 15 years ago now. But they had like um, people who had, uh, uh, you know, things that were sort of coded as conservative, like future farmers of America or something like that, you know, something like that. They were, um, they were hurt in college admissions, you know, controlling for, you know, uh, SAT scores and uh, GPA and and all that. Um, So yeah, it seems to be, it seems to be like. They're just on the DEI, their own affirmative action people, you know, on their own terms. There's a case for, uh, you know, affirmative action for conservatives.
1: Well, well, this is this is really interesting because in the context of the Harvard, uh, you know, affirmative action case, right? That if the if the rationale for for affirmative action is diversity, this is actually a case where diversity really can be demonstrated to have a positive effect, and and you can measure it and prove it in the data. Uh, But the the only problem is it's political diversity and it's not demographic diversity. Uh, (laughs) But this kind of shows that that actually what these universities have been doing is focusing solely on race and gender uh, or or race essentially as diversity. Um, But it kind of shows they're clearly not very interested in political or other kinds of diversity because they've actively sought to reduce political diversity through forms of political discrimination, such as pushing, you know, diversity statements, essentially political litmus tests for jobs, uh, signaling in terms of political causes that universities support, so creating a hostile environment for conservatives. So, all of these actions that universities have taken are in the direction of creating conformity around a set of progressive political values and driving out. The political diversity. So, yeah, and what's interesting is that when you poll on these questions, uh, you actually find that there's pretty good bipartisan support for uh, paying as much or more attention to political diversity as race and gender diversity in uh, in various types of hiring, for example, or various types of, of membership. So, actually, there's a lot of support for giving as much attention to Political diversity as to these other forms of diversity. Um, do I think universities will do it? No. Um, but I think it's, if they were consistent, if they truly believed in diversity, they would.
0: Why don't you, why don't you? Um Here's an idea. Why don't you write an amicus brief to submit to the Supreme Court in the uh, Harvard uh, case that's before them right now and make this point because there's not a lot that people can say that it's new on this topic, but this is sort of, this is sort of new. I, you know, people can look at, oh, you know, you're discriminating against Asians. Like, yeah, people have done that data. But this, I think, is something that's worth sort of pushing that you, 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 um, you can't really take this stuff at face value because obviously they don't uh, have, you know, affirmative action for people with the different ideas that all they care about is race and that they couldn't care less about uh, viewpoint diversity, which which they say they care about. So this is like, a, you know, yeah. this, is a, this is a way to sort of, uh, yeah, win, win the argument
1: you know, you're, you're giving you don't give me some dangerous ideas here Richard, but I've never done a uh, <laughs> a brief before, but yeah, I think in a way it gives the lie to this idea that this is about that what they care about is diversity of thought right I think that you know because it's very very difficult to show that those demographic forms of diversity are produced i mean there's I'm obviously interested in measurable uh, outcomes, but to say that that produces a more diverse intellectual atmosphere or substantially more diverse atmosphere, I think it's tricky to prove uh, empirically. I'd be interested in in studies that have tried to do that, but I haven't seen any. Um, whereas in this case, yeah, I mean, it's very clear that uh, greater political diversity results in less self-censorship. So I think that that is a very obvious, but, but I think, but as you say, of course, it does sort of show that um, the interest in diversity f- full stop is just not there in terms of these, these
0: universities. Yeah. So when you, um, yeah. So when you wrote this, um, uh, report, I think it's, it's supposed to be somewhat of a guide for, right. Uh, for, you know, maybe parents or people deciding which college to go to. Is, is that right? It's, it's trying to help yeah. them sort of, uh, understand the environment that they'll be stepping into.
1: I think that's right. I think it is just a way of sort of, Seeing okay, well, this is what the student body looks like in this university versus that. Um, you know, it's prop any parents who who may not realize what those liberal arts colleges' student bodies are really like is <laughs> it's, it's it's worth them consulting before they send their kid to Wellesley if they're a, a, a some kind of a conservative. But um, yeah, I think that that's you know, it's it's not going to make a huge difference because a lot of people go in in state, but. But just, just a tool that, that people can look at um, just maybe to inform a, a decision they were probably going to make anyway.
0: Yeah. I mean, me personally, I mean, I think I would rather – if I was wanted to have intellectually stimulating conversation, I mean, I would – I think I would choose a very liberal school that had a higher SAT score than a lower school. Of, you know, I think a lot of these people at these state schools—they call themselves conservatives—that means you know tailgating and getting drunk and going to the football (laughs) game and cheering. I don't know if that means that you're going to get the uh, the best intellectual experience of of your life. While you know, if you're if you have an intelligent kid who's interested in ideas, it still might be better to go into the liberal space if your other option is you know somewhere that's less intellectual overall.
1: Yeah, I guess it depends what you're after. I mean, if you want to have open conversations if you don't want to have if you think the political discrimination and bias is going to suffocate you in the sense will prevent you from reaching your full potential then you shouldn't go to those schools if you think that okay i can you know I'm, Maybe I will by having arguments with people <laughs> I mean, spread my wings and sharpen my my wits. Then, yeah, I mean one of the, the interesting things in the Ivy League is if you look at the conservative students there, like if you take conservative students in the uh, conservative colleges, let's say in the Mountain or, or Southern states, you know, very high shares share that say they have the same political views as their parents. Uh, Whereas the conservatives in the Ivy League, a much higher share of them seem to say they've got a different view than their parents. So maybe there's more of the your kind of independent thinking conservative type that's in the Ivy. I mean, amongst that small ten to fifteen percent conservative in the Ivies, you know, you probably do have some very interesting people there. Um, so, yeah,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's yeah. I think that's that's. I think that's right. I mean, you know, it depends on what you want to do do with your life. I mean. You know, if even if you want to go into politics, I mean, you're going to be better off. you know, if you uh, even a conservative politics, you're probably better off signaling that you went to a a good school. Um, Yeah, you know, it's um, you know, and then like, you know, like oh, you know, my opinion, I like, I don't know, like I don't enjoy you know, people who aren't, you know, that's that smart. I, you know, I don't want to have a conversation with them about politics anyway. I mean, it's, it's, it's often like, you know, like it's, it's like, you know, their, their, you know, background and their intelligence and their, you know, the, the amount they pay attention to things and the, and their reading just might not be up there. And, you know, it's like, oh, they're, they're diverse in their ideology, but none of them know anything. You know, I don't know if that's, you know, the best environment to, to talk to people. <laughs>
1: well, 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 maybe you're, we're, you're we're too pointy headed. I mean, I, I also went to a kind of, as you did, you know, more, more liberal school, but I think, um, yeah, that's right. You've got to balance out a whole range of considerations. But but if you know, it is I think a consideration. I mean, if you're going, especially if you're going to be facing severe political discrimination, um, which could affect you in a whole range of walks of life. You know, <laughs> I mean, dating, partying. You know, who's going to come into a house with you? I think that that's that could be an issue. It's in the more extreme. Uh, left-leaning schools, right? So I think it, it all depends what your aim is. If you just want to have intellectual combat, um, yeah, maybe just head into the hornet's nest and, and you know, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, my experiences have all been good at, you know, I had a year in, in Harvard and, uh, you know, they, they've all been... Uh, partly, of course, you have different types of uh, environments in these universities. You can select into the more sane ones. Even if they are left of center, they're not aggressively intolerant left of center. So I, I think if you're able to to do that, then you're probably okay and then you if you have your networks that are you know allow you to express yourself then fine.
0: Yeah. And I think that, um, for the dating thing is interesting. I don't think it's as much, you know, oh, like people are going to say you're a Trump supporter. I don't want to date you. I mean, that happens, but I, I don't think I like, you know, people can say whatever they want in a poll. I think when people meet people in the flesh. I mean, I think that it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think it, what women say they want in polls or what those, you know, or what men say like what they do. I think there's just not much of a connection there. Um, but Uh, I think what I would take the politics if I had you know college age kids. I think what I would, or I was thinking about going to college now. um, I think I would take it. The politics is sort of a proxy for like, okay, you want to form a, uh, you want to eventually get married, form a stable uh, heterosexual relationship. Like, let's say that that's what you want. Um, You know, percentage Republican or percentage conservative is probably a good proxy for like, you know, percentage of people who are looking for something like that. while a liberal school is probably, you know, if you just want to, uh, you know, just uh, sow your wild oats for uh, four years, you know, maybe, maybe a liberal school. Is, not that people don't do that at conservative schools, but I think the conservative school is probably, um, probably more conducive to uh, forming long-term, you know, monogamous traditional kind of relationships. So that, that's the that's really, I way would, I would look at the data.
1: I'm trying to imagine sort of Oberlin or Wellesley as a party school, and I'm struggling. But yeah, <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. They're not party schools, right? I guess if you want. If you want, if you, I wonder. Well, well I, you know what? I, w- I wish you the fire data had. I wish they had a percentage. For, I wish they asked about number of sexual partners. <laughs> I think that would be interesting. I would love to see Oberlin versus University of Alabama. I, I, would, yeah. I would love to see the difference. I would love to see the difference between males and females and getting into all of that of the politics. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Well, well, well. I'll talk to them, but I'm not sure I'm going to get a positive
0: answer. <laughs> That's for a future report. Okay. Well, there's an opening. There's there's research they won't do. So maybe maybe that you know opens up something for us yeah uh, okay cool so um yeah so this is all interesting we'll post the links um is there any um what are you working on now eric what's what's next for you well uh, yeah
1: i've got some some think tank reports that are one in britain uh, with policy exchange and one in in with manhattan institute they're mainly looking at this issue of uh critical race theory critical social justice how widely is it being taught in schools so we're surveying 18 to 20 year olds about their school experiences so that expect that to be out uh well the british one will be out probably in a week or so and then the u.s one uh maybe in a few weeks so or at least a a preliminary from the u.s will be out in a few weeks on that so
0: watch this space great yeah so today we're recording this on october 11th so you know this this will be either released or about to be released probably about the time uh, most people are uh, listening to this. Okay, great. Well, Eric, it's been great having you on and uh yeah, until next time. Great, Richard. Thanks a lot.